Um, yeah, we can we can do that uh, because what'll I th well, I think what'll happen is that we're going to talk about a few topics I want to chat about. We're going to take our questions and our comments from the chat, guys. Hello, we are live now, Adam, and um, and then we can yeah, I like how Doctor Beckett does his dueling questions. We can play a game like that too if we have time. At the end, we'll go for about an hour, hour ten, that sort of thing. But um, first of all, welcome back to the show, man. You've been on a few times. I don't know if this is your third, fourth uh, time on with me, but it's always great to have you. And you're a very popular guest. People, I get comments later like, oh, that that Adam, he he's very knowledgeable and uh, speaks so well. I literally, I'm not, I'm, I'm serious. I get these comments. People will message me on Instagram or on Facebook or Twitter, whatever it is. So it's, uh, it's always good to have you. And thanks for making yourself available tonight too. Did you, did you manage to I should have asked this before, but did you manage to catch much of this show I just had with Mike Phillips from Upper Deck? You know, I I thought that you were going a little bit later, and I thought I'll join it like ten twenty, and then we'll, we'll I'll at least catch a few minutes of it. But it went right before that. I'm always like putting my kids down. And, yeah, I know, I know. So I literally was just doing that, but I will listen to it on the podcast later on for sure. Sounds good. Sounds good. No no worries at all. We got a few people with us already. We got Fowl Five Ball is back. We got the big unit. We got hockey guy. Oh, McKinnon scored. That's always good to know. We got name indigenous rookie cards. Good evening, fellas. I see there's Maury out there. Let us know who's here. Feel free to say hello. This is chill, guys. If you came over from the last episode, if you happen to be a first-time viewer of After Hours, this is a more chill type of uh, episode environment. We're just going to sit back, talk hobby. We got Bobby Burrell in the house. Good evening, Bobby. Great to see you as always. Latrell Sprewell, good evening to you. It was uh, good to hear. Good to hear, Chris. Stealthy Shoes, good evening to you, Dr. Full. He said, yeah, well, maybe we'll give you some comic relief. Welcome back. Welcome back. we got Jordan Riker in the house. I've, By the way, Jordan, I've fallen to, I think, third in the hockey pool now. Yeah, Ryan, seven, I saw the 7-1 in the break. I turned on my phone and took a look. Yeah, Adam, my Calgary Flames are losing 7-1 to one to the Edmonton Oilers which is a really bad score in hockey. Good evening, Brian Kingsley. Victor, good evening again to you. Brent, welcome back. And the Unlucky Breaker, good. Hey, uh, welcome back, man. Sorry I couldn't take your question at the end of the last episode. We were, we were just winding down at that time. I don't think we got into talking about your question during the episode, but it, just, it was just a little bit too late, so I apologize for that. But thanks for coming back. Chris says, racking up goals in the Canadian division doesn't seem very impressive this year. Jeremy, will you, be, will you you will be first or seconds when the game's even out. Good to know. Joe Perot sends much respect to the Real 27 guy. That's that's him right over there. Is You know, I'm pointing this way, and on my screen, you're that way. So I've gotten used to it now, though. Yeah, Brent, we need to play the Canucks to get some more points. Good evening, Colin. No problem, Unlucky. No problem. Adam, will you be talking about your Trey Gold vinyl sale? That's somebody. That's that's Jordan uh, hyping my hyping my cards for me. Thank you, Jordan. <laughs> I've got I've got a couple big. The two biggest cards I've ever open auctioned are both ending. I think they're both ending tomorrow, and one of them is that Trey Gold vinyl. So, Jordan's Jordan's hyping my stuff. Uh, I'll I'll take it. I'll take is it. That, who are they? Uh, who are they listed with? Um, I listed. I listed. So the the Trey Gold vinyl is listed with PWCC. It is his, it's like his biggest card out of Optic. Um, and then I also listed the Giannis Acetate from Immaculate. And that's that's with PWCC as well. And I think they both 
ends tomorrow night, if I'm right. That's uh well, good luck, man. I'll have to put those on my watch list, actually. I'm going to go maybe do that right now, if nobody minds. So, sorry, it's the Trey Young Gold Vinyl. Yeah, and you know what I just realized is I don't think they are tomorrow. I think they might be the next day or the day after that. I listed – so this is can, – can I jump into something really random right here? Because it might be – that's what this show is all about. Go for it. So, and every, everybody who everybody who knows me knows that like I have like a million stories, and it's because I've been in the hobby for so many years, right? I worked at a card shop for seven years. Um, I bought and sold cards to pay for college, and like, and they've been a, it's just been a huge part of my life for thirty years. Right? It's like the only it's the only significant um, hobby that I've ever had. Um, and so, here's a fun story for you. I had a, um, a relative, an ac- actually a nephew of, a, of an NBA player that we all know um, and most of us like, um, reach out to me and he said, hey, I know you're into the sports card thing. Um, I want to make an investment. Do you have any ideas for me? And I had a lot of different ideas. And he was like, great, I'm going to give you $10,000 and I want you to figure out how to spend it. And I said, okay. And so- That's half a card. At this point, this is three months ago. So it was a whole card at this point. But anyway, he he, he gives me $10,000 and I go out and I buy a Kobe Bryant credentials rookie card for $10,200. And, uh, and I told him, so the way that the deal works is I buy the card. Then I, so when I go to sell it, I get 30%, I get 30% carried interest or a 30% incentive fee. And so the card is like all Kobe rookies have exploded, you know, like just gone through, gone through the roof. And so I sent that card along with another card that I got graded for a friend. It's actually a Jordan rookie card and the Trey and the Giannis and then some smaller things. I sent them all the PWCC about three weeks ago, insured it for $250,000, which is just insane. And the, I think it's the Kobe ends tomorrow night. Uh, but people think the Kobe's mine. The Kobe's not mine, but I do get a percentage of the, a percentage of whatever it sells for over 10,000. And then the other two sell like a couple days later. And so I'm like, like you guys know when you're selling stuff, if you're like me at all, you like, Check your phone every 15 minutes to see if somebody's bid the card up. Do you do that too? Or is it oh, just yeah. me? I, you know, I, when I have cards listed, and I don't list myself. I just, I, 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 I use listers, whether I've used PWCC before, but I've got some local, a couple, I've got two guys that I will send boxes of cards to. They're not local who will list for me simply because I just don't have the time. And it's not usually, they're just not, it's not worth my time, like to, to get four or five bucks for a card, those, that type of, type of level. Anyway, um, so I'll, I'll go, I'll go that route. I, but I use PWCC once. And by the way, I'm just, you're, you're, you're Trey Young ends in uh, two days from now. So an hour, a day and 22 hours from now. Okay. Um, who do you, who do you use? Just, you say local private guys. guys, private guys, like, yeah. So if, if it's got, like, I'm talking about cards that PW. If you used PWCC or Probstein, you would owe them money to sell. I've I've used PWCC before, where they sold the card for me, and I had to pay them because the card didn't get enough to cover their fees. I, it's like a five dollar minimum. You send a card. You know, this was years ago. I was like one of the first people to give them modern day hockey cards. I gave them to them at a national, and they went on to sell them for me. And they were like several ungraded. And uh, it was funny because when I was at their booth giving it to them, I could see them 
looking at it, kind of like calculating like, oh, this is a bit of a different thing for us. And then it's since then, literally it's blown up. And I'm talking, that was probably 20, I don't know, 14, 15, 16 in there somewhere. So it was a while back, but I use some, uh, I use just a buddy of mine who lives in Ontario. I got it. And I got a guy in New York that'll, that lists for me too. Sometimes I have, um, I, I have this like process that I go through when I buy a collection or when I buy, you know, I don't, I'm not always like buying collections, but a lot of times I'll buy like a lot or, or, or collection. And when I get it in front of me, I have like a process of where it goes to. And the, there's like a few different buckets. There's the, there's the, and I don't, I don't know if this is interesting. Stop me and tell me if I, if I'm talking about something that's not, but I think, I think it's interesting because it's taken a while to sort of get to this point. I have stuff that I'm going to keep. That's the first thing. And like, does this belong in my collection? Do it, does it, does it, is it part of the top 100 that we've talked about in the past? Does it, you know, is it something that I really like? Then the next bucket is, does this go to like one of the big consignment companies, like a, like a Probstein or a, or a PWCC? I haven't used Probstein as much lately because I had a bad experience where I had to wait a long time for some cards to be listed, but I've, I've sent by far and away more to them than to anybody else. And then after PWCC, then now at this point, there's stuff that goes to ComC. I love ComC. In fact, I've got this box right here that's next to me. I've got some guy, a guy at work who who gave me like his his Pokemon collection from when he was a kid, and I know nothing about co- Pokemon. Like I shouldn't say nothing. I know very little about Pokemon, but I I did I did enough research to figure out what would be worth to try to sell, and I'm like what's the best way to do this? Cause it's mostly like three and four or $5 cards. Like you, I'm never going to list three, four or $5 cards on eBay. I'm never, ever, ever going to do it. So even though ComC is going to take 50 cents for each one of these items that I'm sending to them, the greatest part is I'm putting it in a box and I'm shipping it off. Mm-hmm. And then the next, the next great part is at a certain point, it just makes mathematical sense for somebody who's buying cards who then doesn't have to pay three bucks shipping on each one of the cards individually. They can log into their ComC account. They can go buy 30 cards and have them shipped once. They're paying more for that. And so there's the ComC. And then the very last level, the very last bucket that I have is this sort of like group bulk lot thing that I used to just like throw a lot up on eBay. Problem is eBay is weird right now. Like they've changed things and I, I, I don't want to go like deal with the hassle. So I kind of don't know what I'm going to do with my bulk stuff. now. You know, I, I, I'm with you, man. Com C is I've been using them for, for uh, you know almost 10 years now. And I love, I love the service. Cause again, that low end stuff that I am never going to spend time listing on eBay, you know, that might sell for under five bucks. Sorry, not worth my time. It's worth their time. And the beautiful thing is you, you touched on it just now. If you send them these cards, who cares what they take? As long as you get something more than what they charge you, it's better than them sitting there ga- gathering dust and never being worth more than a buck or two a card. And what's it? It's only worth a buck or two if you're going to take the time to market those cards. So I'm with you on that. A uh, good question came up here from uh, Dr. Full. Just wondering why list it through them, being a PWCC or probes, instead of selling yourself? He offers liability and he says, I'm sure they take a nice cut. Their, their cuts are. Their rates are are published on their on their websites, and they're actually not that nice, in my opinion. They're quite fair. I think I think both ProbeScene and PWCC's rates are fair. But why don't you take the question for yourself on these two big cards you have you have for sale? Why did you sell them with uh, with PWCC and not yourself? Well, that's a really good question, and there's a chance that it would have been better to list it on my own. But the um, I'll, 
let me answer a slightly different question and then come back to that real quick. Um, I did a whole, I've done multiple podcasts. This, this question is a great one. I've done multiple podcasts on why to use a consigner. If there's one, I shouldn't say this because, because they've blown up in popularity so much, but if there's one great piece of advice that I feel like I can give to anybody, it's to use a consignment company. Sorry, not a consigner, but a consignment company. There's a difference. You're the consigner. If you're sending it to them, the consignment company is the one that lists it for you. Um, it, they're 100% giant, no brainer, send stuff to them, let them do all the work. Jeremy's exactly right. Their fees are less than you will pay in most cases. Yeah. Like you selling on eBay or them selling on eBay, like if they sell for the same amount, you will net more. So the question is, how can they do that? They must be losing a bunch of money. No, they're making a ton of money because what they have is they have a preferred rate that they're given by eBay. So you know, they're making a ton of money to have you send them stuff and then they're listing it all for you and trying to get the top dollar. Um, also, you know, PWCC, when I wanted to sell it, what they do? They sent me this $250,000 insured um, label and I paid for part of it. Right? I paid for part of it. Like I had no risk at that point. At that point, all the risk is on them and on the insurance and stuff. It's out of my hands. They're trusted. If somebody says I didn't get the card, they get to deal with all that stuff never had any problems with them. I mean, sometimes you get somebody who doesn't pay and then they have to relist the card. That's frustrating. Um, but that, that happens maybe 5% of the time, um, probably less than that, honestly. So, um, you know, for me, if you're going to sell a card, like take all the hassle out of it, potentially make more money. The only, the, 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 but then back to your question, Jeremy, and I think this is, this is super interesting. If I'm listing a card that has a known value, right? Like today I bought this card at the card shop. I went to the card shop. There was this Michael Jordan card there. Um, it's a PSA eight. There's been one in the last week that sold. It sells for about a thousand bucks, right? I saw it there for 750 plus tax. And I was like, sweet, I can make a hundred dollars or something on it. And, I, and I'll always do that. Whenever I see something that I feel like I can make a, a couple hundred bucks on, I'm just going to buy the thing and I'm going to turn around and sell it. Um, that I know what the market is and I can sell it, but that tray, I don't, I can't even peg within $10,000 what that card's worth. Be honest. I have no idea. I have no clue what the card is worth. I've had a few offers. Are they good? Maybe they're way better than, you know, than they're, you know, maybe they're way more than, than, than what they'll fetch, um, you know, out in the, in the, in a public auction. But if you don't know that and you think that the card might sell for a ton, you kind of have to let it go to open auction to see what the market bears. You don't, you don't want to just sell it. And I don't, I don't want to sell anything on my own via auction ever again. I, it, it doesn't make any sense for all those reasons that I talked about earlier. And I mean, PWCC has more eyes on their auctions than any seller on eBay. So they're just going to get more money. I believe they're going to get more money than uh, for, for the cards than any average seller like you or me would. So, but to me, the biggest benefit is simply get it out of my house. I don't want to do the work. I got enough work to do in other areas of life. I don't have time to list on eBay. Then pack, you know, you got the scanning, the listing, then you got the, then you got the packaging, then you got going to the post office, then you got to leave feedback, which is okay. That's the easy part, but there's just a lot to it. So I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, Colin had a question. He wanted to know how much did it cost to insure 250 K he's got a similar sub and was curious. You said you only had to pay a portion of it. How did, how did that work? What, 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 do you know what, what it cost altogether? I hope they won't get mad at me for saying this, but, um, but they said originally oh, it's going to be $380 to, to, to send that. And I said, okay, great. I'll pay that. 
And then when I got onto the call with him later on, he said, now, I told you that we could we could pay for half of that. Right. And I was like, you didn't. But I'm grateful that you're willing to do that. And so PWCC, right, they want you to send them their big your big cards. And by the way, like, although PWCC is an advertiser for the magazine and there's somebody who I who I use, like I'm not talking. I'm not saying that they're the only ones who do this. Right. Golden does the same thing. Um, I'm sure Heritage does the same thing. And so, um, you know, don't don't go with PWCC because I'm talking about them. Go with who you who you think is right. I could talk to you about some of the benefits of why I why I chose PWCC over those others. But um, but, I, you know, I don't have a, a, a loyalty to anybody in that way. I'm just going to send it to who I feel like is going to do the best job of listing the cards. Yeah, they both do pretty good jobs from what I've seen. Um Question came in for you here from, uh, where was it here? Jordan, uh, are you open to discussing why you chose to sell the tray and the honest now? Yeah, totally, uh, totally open to that. Jordan, I, um, I've had many opportunities recently to buy cards I really wanted to, and I didn't have any cash. And so the reason that I do the top 100 list every year is to, is to rank it by cards, like by their value. So the Trey and the Giannis both have a tremendous amount of value, but I'd rather have that value in other places. So like I've, I've had a couple of chances to get big time Kobe Bryant cards and I would, I, I'm talked about it a million times. I'm just crazy for Kobe Bryant cards right now. Not the ones that people are really looking for. You know, I'm not, I'm not into rookies and a lot of people are really focused on rookies. Um, I'm, I'm focused on like some really particular cards and I'm not going to be able to afford them without having some serious cash that's just sitting there. And so I took I took a look at my collection and I said, "What am I getting the most joy out of right now?" And I said, "These are the these are probably the two cards that will sell for the most that I get the least amount out of." Having said that, and this is being really this is going to sound super hypey, so forgive me, but like those are the two cards in my collection that have the highest variance. They could both go crazy in terms of value. You know, what if, what if Trey is the leading scorer next year? What if he's in potential MVP down the line? It's one of his best cards. It's a huge card. And the Giannis, you know, is a two-time MVP. And I think it's one of his best rookie cards. And so, you know, what happens if they both end up all world and they end up being worth 10 times what they sell for this time? Well, that'll hurt, but they're not the thing that I like the most. It's not about, for me, it's not about capitalizing at like a high point. I think some people think about that. I learned a long time ago. I have no ability to time the market at all. I get it wrong 90% of the time. What I am very good at though, is being able to determine what I want. And although there are cards that I like and really want, there's cards that I want more. hope that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Here's a good, here's a question for you, man. Uh, Joe wants to know where might there be good value Kobe at this point in time? Like, and I, I understand the question because it came up in the last episode a little bit where just seems like so many cards are going every card. Let's say every card that isn't a common old base card has gone up in value. Important player cards gone up in value. I believe there are still opportunities out there to find value. I, actually, it wasn't earlier today. It was on it was on Wednesday. I did a special episode on Wednesday, kind of a eBay ending, a PWCC on eBay ending watch party. And I made the comment that, you know, there are still opportunities out there to find value, even in today's super bullish market. How, in your mind, are there opportunities still for any for any Kobe or is everything, you know, and I have several watch watched searches or save searches on my on my eBay. And one of them is like Kobe. 
And it's always the one that when I go to it, it has the most listings of anything. I can go a day and then check them. It's got more more lists, more new listings than any other save search I have. Are there that many people watching them? And like, is there still to the point where there's no opportunities for a really good value buy? Or is there? Are you saying that there's more Kobe's being listed than anybody else? Well, in my, like I've got a, in my, I've got a Kobe safe search. I've got a Shaq. I've got a Michael Jordan, a Wayne Gretzky, a Sidney Crosby, a Ken Griffey Jr. And they're, you know, they're not just simple searches. They've got plus signs, open brackets. They've got minus sign, open brackets. You know, like I've really, I'm adding things. I'm excluding things. You know, you know what it's like with your proprietary saved searches, right? Which, which we take very, per, very personally. And we have, we value our saved searches because we've crafted them over the years. That's a different topic, but um, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. When I go to my safe searches, the Kobe search is like, you know, MJ could be 300 new items, Shaq could be 200, and Kobe's 800 or a thousand. Yeah, I think I think part of that is that Kobe Bryant probably has more basketball cards than any player ever, and you know, there's a chance that Jordan has more, but probably not, right? Like it's it's one of those two guys because Kobe played forever. And then after playing forever, he continued to have cards in every product after that. He he covers the, you know, everything from the mid-90s through the exquisite era, through like to the beginning of the Panini era. And then he like he just he played forever and he signed a ton of stuff. And uh, I shouldn't I shouldn't point out that he signed a ton, ton of stuff because I think that's actually um, not that I don't think that's true. It is true, but I think it's kind of overblown at this point. Uh, I think one interesting thing that I noticed in the last the last time that PWCC listed a whole bunch of stuff, I was anticipating that Kobe would have more autographs listed than um, this is just a quick aside. Um, I thought he'd have way more than like a LeBron and a Jordan and all of all the random things. All three of them actually had the exact same number of autographs that were listed by, by PWCC kind of anomaly, but they all had 25 autographs listed. Um, I think people are. I think there's a lot of people out there who who sort of are looking at those and saying, "Wow, it'd be cool to kind of own a own a, a Kobe Bryant autograph." So that's you know that's the quick aside. But he has so many cards, right? Like he's got just like so so many cards. So for me, the question has always been, you know, since last year, the question hasn't been, you know, which Kobe Bryant, like how do I get Kobe Bryant cards? Because as you point out, there's just a crap ton of them. But how do I get like the cards that actually matter and what cards will actually matter? Well, some of those things are really easy, right? We know that the Chrome rookie or the Chrome rookie refractor is going to matter. We know that a lot of rookies are going to matter, but they don't interest me because they're not rare. And I really care about rarity, right? Like that's one of my real like points. Rarity matters. So if rarity matters and I want to collect rare things, I don't really care about his rookies. There's some that aren't rare, by the way. I mean, like, you know, some of those are really interesting, but the cards that I wanted were rare and unusual and, and hard to find. And, you know, to, to Joe's question, there's lots of things that are still rare that are, that are things that people don't understand. I mean, I'll give you an example. This is kind of a weird one. There was a triple Jersey card listed of Kobe. I think it was Kobe Ori and Rick Fox or Kobe Ori and Derek Fisher. And it was from like some uh, early 2000s upper deck set, like an SP game used or something like that. And it was numbered to 100 or number. No, sorry. It was numbered to 25. And I'd never seen the card before. And I was like, 
That's really cool. And it was listed in a way that was not going to be easy for people to find. That card to me is a perfect example of a really cool Kobe card to own because at some point people are going to look back and they're going to go, I want to own all the Kobe jerseys from the early years or all the patch cards from the early, early years and all the rare numbered cards. And this one sort of checked a lot of those boxes. And so I bought it, right? Um, there's all sorts of things that are out there that are, are like not super well-known inserts. They're really good looking, especially from the era post Michael Jordan. Um, this, these are the cards I've been looking for 99 to, you know, into the mid two thousands where, where Kobe is, is one of the headliners. Um, I like that personally than the, than the Jordan era stuff, because the Jordan era stuff is just so expensive. I own some of those, but, um, they're just so expensive. Like you point out. Yeah. Super extend, just getting more and more expensive as time goes by. It seems, uh, there's a question for you that came in, uh, it was from Jordan again. I just want to find it here. Um, yeah, right here he says, can you give a peek into which Kobe's are at the top of your list? And the reason why I like this question right now is because you recently posted on your Instagram story uh, that you're looking for, you, you're very specific. You said, I'm looking for inserts where Kobe, from sets that Jordan wasn't in. So Kobe is kind of the headliner for that insert set. And of course, when a guy like you, who uh, whose opinion and knowledge I respect and value so much, it has me looking at these things too, you know, but I look at it from a bit of a different angle, more from the Shaquille O'Neal angle, simply because, you know, I collect him a bit more and, uh, and it's just, you know, I don't want to necessarily compete with all the Kobe guys. So, um, but, uh, but to Jordan's question, um, what are kind of some of the ones that are at the top of your list right now, if you're willing to share, and you don't have to share the answers to these, because we don't want to you know, make, make people bid up against you, uh, whether for sport or cause they want them. I would never presume for even a minute that my beliefs on something would, would influence, would influence people. But I, especially because um, I don't, I don't like, like I said earlier, I'm not out to go find the thing that I think is definitely going to go up in value. There's a hundred podcasts and people out there right now who are like, going to tell you this is going to go up and this is why you should buy it and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't think about things in the same sort of stock mentality as other people do. I've described it before that there's like stock and there's art. And that's the two things that we like. They, they, those are the things that card can be cards can be compared to. And I might have even talked about this here with you, Jeremy. But like if I am going to look at the things that are um, attractive about a card, I'm always going to go towards the art. Like I'd rather have something that's more art like than something that's more it has more like stock like tendencies about it. And so, you know, for me, like like when I think about what I want, I don't know that it's stuff that's going to increase in value. You know, like, well, I do know I do hear you, but I've seen I've seen your collection and you may say that, but you 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 do tend to be attracted to things that do go up in value and have value and maintain value so you know that, that's all fine though but are do you, you know for for Jordan's question specifically are there are there any kobe's that you're like I'm this is one I want maybe someone will have it in the audience who knows yeah and you know we've talked about this before too Jeremy like you don't want to buy stuff that's going to decrease in value so I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and say like, I don't care like about value because I really care about value a lot. Um, but it's not, it's not the driving force with everything that I buy. It's certainly the driving force with some things that I buy. with these Kobe's right now though. And that's why I'm just trying to be honest here. I'm not, I don't think that some of these things are going to increase in value. I'll give you an example. I bought a 
Stadium Club Chrome refractor insert card called, I think it's called Visionaries. And it was like a one in like 20 something hundred pack insert. It cost me less than a hundred dollars, not that long ago. But that's an awesome card um, because it's really cool looking. It's really unique. It's re it's pretty rare and it wasn't expensive. And whenever you can find like check a lot of those boxes, like again, these are the boxes. Rare, really cool looking, not expensive. Those that's kind of where I live. And so you know there was a I forget what it's called now. It's excitement or ex something. Is it I like this? Yeah. What is that? This is the Neex excitement. Excitement. That's right. that's so weird that you had that sitting on your. So is in football? Is there like a rainbow? Yeah. There's the red, the green, and the blue. The, it, the it's different than in basketball. In basketball, so in in football, only the blues are numbered. This is out of a hundred. It's from it's from two thousand. In basketball, two of those are numbered and one of them isn't. And I forget. I guess, I'm guessing the blues and the greens are numbered and the reds aren't. Yeah, green is the five hundred and blues to two fifty. So. You know, maybe three, four months ago, I bought a blue for $1,200 and I love the card, but, you know, it's gone up a lot in value too. So you've talked a lot about rarity and a uh, great question from Rock Latex. Can you define what does rare mean to you when you talk about it? Uh, rare to me means I should never like get onto eBay and see it sitting there, but once in a blue moon. Um, I don't collect cards that are always acquirable. And I know you and I have talked about this, Jeremy. I think we're pretty similar in this way. If if I can go get something, I probably don't want it. Like I want to have to, I want the chase is why we do this, right? Like why would I collect something that's just always available? I don't know. That's that's me. But like, again, not everybody's like that. That's just. No, that. I hear you. I'm not 100% like that. I, I I do it both ways. You know, I like the rare stuff, but I also collect I also want a Michael Jordan Flair rookie, a Kobe Bryant Topps Chrome. I want those standard commodity type rookies um, because I'm not going to go after the the uh, exquisite RPA for LeBron, right? No, there are other cards in there. But to be honest, when I bought my LeBron Topps Chrome and my Kobe Topps Chrome, I didn't know a ton about the rest of their rookie cards that were available. I knew the main brands, but I didn't know some of the more obscure brands. So I just went for what... I, what I knew was liquid because liquidity is important to me too. It's it's funny I say that because I never sell anything really that's in my PC, like almost never. So why is liquidity important to me? Because in the event I need to sell something from my PC, I want to know that I can just, uh, you know, access cash pretty quick. Should I need it? Should, you know, should I need to put a new roof on my house or something like that. So if you had to guess right now, if you look at your collection right now across all sports and you were to say, of your of your top 100 cards or 50 cards or whatever number you want to pick um you were to ask the question you know how many of those cards are are acquirable right now um publicly like you could just go out there and just get all of them right now what percentage do you think would be would be findable pretty easily i mean several um you know i've got i you know, with card ladder and the my collection uh function on there i've got 101 cards in my collection on card ladder. So if I were to scroll through them, okay, there's one. I have a LeBron, I have a LeBron James uh, 2003 EX rookie, the numbered one out of 102. Oh, it's huge. The that, yeah, so that one, but I mean, you know, I've got a Jordan Jambalaya, there's another one. 
Um, and then I'm going through like, you know, I've got rookie cards of a lot of Hall of Famers that are, they're available, but they're still rare. I've got, you know, I've got a Jackie Robinson rookie, but you know, you're not going to find one of those every day, but they're not hard to find at the same time. I got a 33 Gaudi Babe Ruth, right? The yellow, the, the number 53. I wouldn't put that in there, but I got a Shaq PMG red. So there's three. The Jordan medal, the Jordan Platinum Portraits is four. The Duncan, well, Duncan Go Nuts isn't that tough. But it's, um, it's not always available. So I'll add it. So five, so maybe, maybe third, 20, no, nah, 20%, I would say. Because now I'm going by Walter Payton, Julius Irving, Mario Lemieux, Hank Aaron, Sidney Crosby, you know, some Sandy Koufax. Like, it's, it seems like a lot of it, the inserts are the rare cards. The standard rookies going back to the beginning of time are just not that rare, even though they're tough to find a lot of the time, like a nice Joe Namath rookie, for example. Yeah. So here's here's the irony here, right? Like here I am acting like this massive know-it-all who thinks like this is what everyone should do. Everyone should collect the rare stuff, right? And I was, I'm always like rarity matters and blah, blah, blah. The, the real irony here is that if I could go back in time 24 months and make as much money as I possibly wanted to, I would collect all the stuff I didn't collect, right? Because the, the, the stuff that's gone up the most in value has been stuff that's, that's, as you talked about, like has liquidity to it. It's always moving. That's always selling that people get in their hand and they know what it's worth because it sold 10 times in the last month. And there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody like, you know, one of the, one of the like, guiding principles that that I think that, that we should all sort of like live in the hobby and probably in life with is that there's no real right way to do these things. There's your way. Um, and my way is this tagline that I always say, rarity matters. You know, I care about rarity of my top 100 cards. I don't think there's one that's like, that's always out there for sale. I just, I, it's not interesting to me, but it's interesting to other people. And that, if that's interesting to you, that's what you should do. You know, collect what you like. Yeah, because if you're if you're someone who wants to collect rookie cards of important players, such as Hall of Famers, you need to collect common cards. You, you know, a Wayne Gretzky rookie card, a Michael Jordan rookie card, two of the most iconic cards in the hobby. You can go on eBay on any day of the week and find a couple hundred of each uh, available to purchase. So right. for you, not interesting. But like you said, you go back in time now, you'd be loading up purely from an investment perspective, but I would venture to guess that if a card that really interested you came up at the same time and it was like, do I buy another Jordan rookie or do I buy this rare card? You're probably going to go for the rare card, even though you might know that the Jordan's a better investment because you're a collector. You want That's what you right. like. And I can tell you, man, and I think we, I think it's just common knowledge. Rarity does matter. It's no, that's not just to you. Rarity matters to the world in terms of valuable value being attributed to collectibles valuable value being attributed to rarities there, there it is <laughs> you did rare rarity definitely definitely matters so let me add, let me add one one other quick thing real quick because I, I think it's i think it's interesting you you mentioned these rookies i have a jordan rookie on my list and i've owned a lot of jordan rookies my jordan rookie on my list is a 1.5 and that probably again like is like if you just dive it like if i psychoanalyze myself it's because it has a story behind it there's something about it that's different. It's not like what other people have. I have a Stockton and Malone rookie on the top 100 list. What's different about them? They're both autographed. And both of them don't have a lot of autographs on their rookie cards. So it's a way of kind of creating rarity in a thing that isn't rare. 
because I understand like how important the thing is, but I want it to be a little bit different than what other people have. Um, I want it to have a story. If the card doesn't have a story, it's kind of like, why do I own it? I want it to, I want to be able to like show it to you and say, this is why this thing is cool. And if not, you know, if, if there's something about like this card is a great card, but I'm not going to own it long-term because it's not, you know, doesn't excite you. It's not rare enough. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm going to run through a couple of questions or comments that we've had from the viewers guys. Uh, again, welcome. Um, thank you. This is, this is Adam beside me here. And, uh, He's also, I'm going to put this on the, on the ticker right now, Adam guys, Adam is the editor in chief of the basketball card fanatic magazine. Uh, issue six just came out last six, right? Adam six issue six issue six just came out last Saturday. Uh, so he, it's an, it's by email and like Adam, I get it. I print mine out in color so that I can actually hold them and read them like a traditional magazine. If you're interested in subscribing, the information is on the ticker right now. And if you mention SCL, Adam's going to send me a couple bucks and I'm going to use that to do good things. So uh, feel free to uh, to subscribe to the magazine and support Adam. And, and I'm not, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't even share this if it wasn't something that I liked and believed in. Like, trust me on that, guys. So I, I, I like it. I believe in it. I enjoy reading it. So I think some of you guys might, too. So give it give it a shot if you're interested. If not, hey, that is all right, too. Jeremy, I am super grateful that you would mention it. I probably I probably talk about it far more than people want to, but I do want to tell you that we've had um, you know you know the numbers, but we've had more than one or two people who have subscribed um, because of your show, and um, it's fun because what I've been what I've been telling people, and this this will go for your deal too. If you order the most recent issue and you go because you want to find out if it's worth it, because nobody just wants to so go throw eighty dollars at something, right? Order the most recent issue. It'll cost you 10 bucks. You know, get, get me on my Instagram at the real 27 guy or email me at basketballcardfanatic at gmail.com. But if you get if you get it, you might think it's dumb. You might not like it. You might not be for you. But if it is for you, then like email me back and say, hey, I want old issues or I want, you know, the next 12 issues or whatever. Mention the SCL thing and the same thing. Even if you just get a few issues or whatever, I'll give I'll give Jeremy that same percentage and I'm just grateful that you you're willing to talk about it a little bit and and let me, you know, let me hype it up. It, it's a lot of work. It's it's a ton of work, but it's a lot of um, fun. And I think it's um, I think especially for people who are who are newer to the hobby or people who just like to read, um, I think it's good. So give it a shot. Order it. And if you haven't ordered one before, just DM me and I'll send you a free one. There you go, guys. Check it out. Yeah, no problem, Adam. I, like I said, I wouldn't want to spend time on it if I didn't like what you're putting out, but I like what you're putting out, and I, and I recognize the effort that goes into it. So, okay, let's leave that there for now. And uh, I want to bring on... Daniel makes a comment here. Daniel, good evening. And I just want to say, when it comes to income tax, it doesn't matter where you're, where you're generating your income from. Income is taxable. You know, some things aren't. You know, in Canada, lottery winnings are not taxable. In the U.S., they are. It's, yeah, it's different. It's There's different laws. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're selling through PWCC, eBay, or you're selling to your neighbor for cash. Your income is taxable. And, uh, but, you know, there are a couple, there are a couple caveats to that, you know, you have to be doing it. If you sell one card a year, you're probably not going to have to worry about it. But if you are showing a pattern of buying and selling cards for a profit, that is going to be a business and business income is taxable. So your best bet is to talk to a tax accountant. 
Protect yourself, though. Uh, thank you, Jordan. Great episode Wednesday. Would the two of you consider coming back briefly on Monday night as the PWCC auctions end? Um, I cannot do that, Jordan, but but I will definitely be doing that regularly when uh, when the, the hockey stuff ends on PWCC. We'll do that. Did anyone see that lot with 1,500 MJ cards last week? I did not. Uh, do you like the status? Status parallels to the player's jersey number, Adam? I love jersey number parallels. I have... I had a friend give me a box of status from a couple of years ago, and I thought they were kind of cool. Um, in general, right now, I feel like the the chromium type finish stuff is really just always being sought after by everybody. So, a card like status that has something has that like refractor look to it, but isn't chromium, does really appeal to me. But I'm just not really like super modern, so that's that's my that's my thought. Yeah, good stuff. Unlucky Breaker uh, says rarity can be scarcity or it can be rarity of a higher grade. Also, I completely agree with that. Makes good sense. And uh, Doctor Full says, "Oh, is this the one I wanted to bring up?" Uh, yeah, there's. Yeah, this is a kind of a good point. Not kind of. This is this is an interesting point because he's saying, you know, nowadays we take such good care of our cards. There's more PSA tens and nines than ever before. I no doubt there are. Right, especially when we're comparing to cards of the '90s and earlier, but um, but but what that you know where we're finding scarcity now are on these BGS 10 black labels, and the fact that PSA 10s are still it's as good as it gets for PSA, but the populations are so much higher than ever before, and that's you know what 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 do we think about that? It's the way it is. That's what I think about. It. It's the way it is. We need to adapt as a hobby and as collectors to it, and. I got nothing more to really say about it. Nothing else comes to mind. Anything pop in your mind on that topic, Adam? Um, you know, there's a lot of data out there about how many cards are being graded compared to in the past. And and again, though, if you want to collect modern guys that are that are, you know, blowing up or may become great uh, stars, that's kind of what you what you get to choose from is that or one of the higher end cards of those of those guys. For me, as evidenced by the two cards that I'm selling in the next couple of days. I'm less concerned with this sort of speculative collecting than I am with collecting people who, who I know that I really like and will really like for the long term. Um, so there are a lot more tens. There are a lot more nines. The population reports are really, really high and crazy, yeah. but you know what? Maybe we'll get, we, you know, if you were to have asked me a year ago, it could, could the, or two years ago, could the Luka Doncic, prism rookie go to x number of dollars i would have told you no i've told you you're crazy and i would have been completely wrong and so maybe our hobby jeremy over the next year will will double in number of people who are who are, who are coming in to buy trey and luca base rookies and maybe they'll be worth way more i just i don't know you know we'll see yeah man it's tough tough to predict where things go but um it's one of the fun things though is trying to stay ahead of the curve and you know, as long as you're interested in something, I never want to go chasing things and I've done it. I don't want to go chasing things that I think are going to be the next popular genre simply because I think they're going to be the next popular genre. I want to go after them because I enjoy them and like them. So as an example, where I did it the wrong way, I went after some Pokemon cards in, in June or July. It was knowing very little about Pokemon, except that Charizard, I knew Charizard and um, who's the other guy? The Pikachu. Little guy. Pikachu. See, that's how much I know about it. And and to be honest, I'm I'm up. Like if I were to sell, I still have these cards. If I were to sell them, I would have probably I'll probably triple my money right now. But I don't know why I really I really don't know why I have them. It's a weird thing because I'm glad I'm going to make some money off them if I sell them now versus if they go down in value. 
but I don't really enjoy having them so much. I think they're kind of cool, but there's no, for me, there's absolutely zero nostalgia. There's zero connection to them. You know, whereas if I'm going for something other than hockey cards, basketball cards, baseball, football, you know, I might have some nostalgic connection to them. For example, I recently picked up an Arthur Fonzarelli card, Henry Winkler as the Fonz. I picked up a Fonzie card. It should be here on Monday, actually. I can't wait to get it because I used to go, I used to come home from school and watch Happy Days. I'm older, I'm, I'm older than you, Adam. I know that. So, you know, maybe aging myself, but like in the early to mid 80s, I'd come home from school, I'd watch Happy Days and Three's Company. So the Fonz was my idol. I mean, he got all the chicks. He could bang <laughs> that jukebox and turn it on. He could jump over cars on his motorcycle. He was the man back in the 80s. My point is, is that that excites me. And I don't really care where the value goes with it. I hope it doesn't go down. But anyway. Can I add, can I add real quick? Uh, what you just described, um, I would describe as um, another one of my key philosophies is that every time I buy a card, um, except for when I'm just flipping something real quick. Every time I buy a card, unless it's a quick flip, I need to buy it with both my head and my heart. Like it needs to make sense logically and I need to really like it. I don't want to own stuff that I don't really like that may or may not go up in value. It, it And I have done that just like you just described. I've done it. it just doesn't fulfill me, you know, but if I buy something that I really like and it's a great investment and it goes up. That's the sweet spot. Like that's what I want every time. Exactly. You know, with me and the Pokemon, I went, I bought the Pokemon cards because I saw something happening and I was right. I bought these cards. I bought the, I bought three Charizard, the original ones, but not, not the shot, the, 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 the common version of it. Mm -hmm. I think I bought them for like 800 bucks each PSA nines. They're now in the low 2000s. So I definitely make some money, but I'm, but I, again, no, ex, no excitement from them um, at all. Really? Uh, <clears throat> I think I have one of those right here. Right? Just can't find it. What you have the, a Pokemon card there. Yeah. It was, remember I told you that I had my friend who had like a whole bunch of Pokemon. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The, they're, sitting, they're sitting right next to me here in my, my little card room. And I just, yeah, you know, and the thing was with me is that I then I actually and I mentioned this before, but I actually went and I watched some Pokemon on TV. I watched a movie and I watched some of the original episodes from like 1999 or whatever. Yeah. And I because I wanted to understand what these what was the attraction to Pokemon. So I watched some of the shows and I realized that the shows made me like the cards even less than I already did. Okay, it made me realize why, why it's like, like I could understand myself being interested in some Bugs Bunny cards or some Fred Flintstones or the Jetsons because I grew up on those cartoons. I did not grow up on Pokemon. So I was just like, yeah, this it's it's really just not for me. Yeah, it's cool. Like, it's kind of cool. And these are these are cultural figures that are that aren't going away anytime soon. But like you said, you want to buy with your heart and your head. I'm willing to buy with either one. It doesn't have to be both all the time. But I'm finding that I can't drift too far away from sports and certain entertainment before I'm just like kind of wondering why I did it. So, you know, because I go through my cards and I look, and I'm like, 
I see a reason to keep it from a dollar perspective, but I just don't really have any interest in keeping it from a, a heart perspective. So anyway, I'm still trying to figure this out for myself in some ways because, you know, we're a self-learning, self, self-exploration and that sort of thing. But I definitely like sports cards. It's definitely all about sports cards for me. But it's funny. There's some comments coming in, Adam. I, I like this. Yeah, Fonz. There we go, Kingsley. Fonzarelli is better than Pokemon. Hockey guy. I used to watch Pokemon after school. It's a generation's. It's a generation's happy days. Uh, Fonzie's way cooler than Charizard. Way cooler. Pokemon has been around for a long time now. It was the happy days for a ton of kids. Except that it's except that it's got cartoons, right? Happy days was humans. Happy days wasn't cartoon. The just a subtle a subtle difference there. Zavi, welcome, says, like your old man watching Pokemon or you're not going to like it. It's one of those cartoons you had to have watched in your child. Yeah, you had to have watched in your childhood. Joe says, Adam has helped me understand the importance of refining my collection. Yeah, guys, if, if you're not following Adam on Instagram yet, let me just uh, hide this comment so we can get his name back on there. Follow him on Instagram at the real 27 guy because once a year he actually goes through his collection and explains why he's got these hundred cards or hundred things in his collection. And it really it I think it's a good reminder every year that we need to focus because it's easy. And depending on your budget, you may be out there buying cards every day, left, right, and center. And it's sometimes good to ground yourself and 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 review the year that just was and say, hey. Are these all really important to me? Just like I'm doing when I mentioned the Pokemon cards. These are some cards that I could sell, bring in several thousand dollars and reallocate to something that's more important to me. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's also, it's also good because, you know, I don't have that much money, right? Like I don't have the ability to go out and spend uh, too much, but I do have card equity that allows me to take something that matters less in my collection and turn it into something that matters more. And sometimes, you, you know, you sell a card, and then you can go get something that you like that's a lot less expensive or or whatever. Sometimes you might have a chance to go get a real grail and you get to figure out which cards in your in your collection matter least to go get that. So for me, that's why the, the creating of the list is really important. And I 100 percent thank Joe for saying that. I think every single person should should do it. You should go look at your collection right now and say, which of this stuff doesn't matter to me? You should send it to the consignment companies. You, you know, whether it's ComC or PWCC or Probstein or whoever, just send it to them. Let them sell it for you. Uh, PC Sports Cards is another great one that I've used. They do an excellent job. Whoever you want to choose, get the stuff out of your house, get the cash in your hands, figure out which stuff you like, which you want to hold on to because you, you think it's a great investment or whatever. And then, you know, like go buy something that you really like. And then, and then the hard part that comes, and this is this is the real secret here. The hard part that comes is then you suddenly look at your collection and you go, I really like everything I have and what do I do now? And then when the big card comes up that you really want and you have to say, Oh, do I have the cash for it? I don't have the cash. I think, I don't know if you're the same way as me, Jeremy. I don't spend any cash that's from anything besides cards. If I'm going to spend a dollar on something, it has to come from cards. I have to sell something to then, to then, and then that, that cash goes into an, an account and I can spend that but I don't get any money outside of my card cash. So I have to sit, sell something to, to buy something. And it's hard, but we, we are not, we're not the same way, Adam. Okay. <laughs> we're not the same way. I spend, I spend more on card, but you know, it's funny spending the word spend to me and you'll get this as a fellow accountant finance, you know, who understands debits, credits, income statements, balance sheet, and that to me, the word spend 
is connotes an expense, which would end up on your income statement, right? As an expense, a life expense. When I'm buying most cards nowadays, while I, I'm a collector at heart through and through, I'm also, these are investments, especially when you're spending significant dollars. I'm always aware of that. So I don't look at it as spending because spending is income statement. I look at it as balance sheet. Yeah. So to me, it's like it is investing, even though it's collecting at the exact same time, which brings me to a comment I really like here from Triple V Sports Cards. I'll let you, I'll read it out loud too. That, that's the beauty of the hobby. We all collect differently. Some value high-grade examples and others simply want the card in any shape or form. Collect what you love. You'll never regret it. Words to collect by. I, I want to say words to live by. Words, words to collect by. Words to hobby by, right? How do you hobby? This is how I hobby. So great comment from Triple V. Really nailed it. Really nailed it. Well said. Well said. Um, all right, let's uh, go to a couple more comments. Yeah, Dr. Full found welcome back Cotter cars. You can get some cool John Travolta's in there, I would have to think. Another one of my favorites. I love a, I've, I found a, I found a card the other day of John Travolta on Saturday Night Fever. We're talking 70s disco. He's in the pose with the arm up in the air. You know that one? Pretty cool card. I didn't buy it, but I'm looking at it. I think it's still pretty cool. See if some more comments here uh, for us, Adam, and then we'll get to another topic. And I mean, we're already at the 54 minute mark, so we're going to go for another 15 minutes or so. Sound good to you? Sounds great. I have to tell everybody, uh, Jeremy and I had like one main topic we wanted to make it to, and we haven't even made it to that because we both have a hard time not just keep not just going on. So we'll get there though. We've got to at least get to that one main topic. I was thinking about that. Well, we'll save it for the end. If we, if we, we'll try. We'll try. It's we'll your try. show. It's your show. Matt Burr says, hey, Adam, with a lot of comments in the hobby about prices of cards, packs, boxes being so high, the kids are priced out. How have you found your son's journey to be into the hobby? You know, there's some people in our hobby who are just always positive that you want to have around you. And Matt is one of those people. Um, Matt actually has a, a piece in next uh, month's issue. Um that is really great. And I sent that to the editor yesterday, the, the, the initial editor, I should say, uh, yesterday, Matt. So get ready for that. I'm really excited for it. Um, so anyway, in answer to your question, though, it's just been, it's really special to have a 10 year old son, right? Like he is, um, he's a lot more innocent and his perspective on things is wonderful. Um, his dad is an accountant who is very focused on debits and credits. And so that wears off on him. Right. Like he he hears me talk about things and and, you know, it's it's interesting because he just he is developing his own his own perspective. You know, Jeremy, you won't like this, but he doesn't like the jambalaya card. He doesn't like how it moves in the background. And how, I'm did like, you, how did you raise this kid? I know. I'm like, I'm like, Aaron, this is one of the best looking cards ever made. He's like, yeah, I like I like your bent Wilt Chamberlain tops test card more than that. And I'm like, that's cool. Okay, but like he has his he has his own opinions. He loves um, cards that are autographed on the on the uniform, right? Like like um, the scripted swatches out of Exquisite. It's signed on a jersey patch. He loves that. Um, he loves the way that some things refract more than others. He loves he has all these things, and, and he he's developing his own opinions and thoughts on it. Um, but. You know, one thing that that was that was wonderful for me, and I think most most of you probably know the story, but I'm sure a lot of you don't too. Uh, he 
he acquired a collection from an incredibly generous member of the community called All the Jordans 23. He, he acquired this collection of his early Kobe Bryant cards. And 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 Aaron like looked through the stuff and and his name's Nick. Nick's like, Aaron, you can you can sell, you know, whatever cards you don't want and go get something that you do want. So Aaron did the work of going through the collection, figuring out what he could move and what he really wanted to keep. And then he sold a bunch of the stuff using the consignment companies. And then what he really wanted to get with it was a Kobe Bryant autograph card. That's all he wanted. He wanted a Kobe autograph. He had certain things that he wanted. He wanted it to be a Panini era card. Um, he wanted it to have hopefully a gold signature. He was hoping to get a piece of the uniform on it. He wanted it to be numbered and he wanted it to be either graded or encapsulated. And he just, he did everything he could to go out there and get that. And another great member of the community popped up with one that was available. And Aaron got his very own Kobe Bryant autograph card, 10 year old kid with this like major investment of a card. And, uh, and you know, he just, he, every once in a while, he'll, he'll have me get it out and, and let him, you know, it's not out in the open. He can't just see it whenever he wants to, um, but he'll just sit there and look at it. And um, it's, it's seeing, this is a long answer. I know Matt, but like, it's seeing through the eyes of somebody who's super innocent, like, like the things that we used to care about when we were kids and my road, as, as I've talked about ad nauseum has been like very much from like a collector when I was young, to somebody who is just focused on money to now somebody who's not very focused on money anymore. In fact, that's the whole purpose of the magazine is to not be financially focused, right? Yeah. He is still figuring out what matters to him. He wants to make money. He's made some trades where he's made a lot of money. He came home, Jeremy, my son came home. You're not going to believe this. My son came home two weeks ago with a Ricky Henderson PSA eight rookie card. It's a great card. It's like a $400 card and he traded a neighbor for it. What is a neighbor doing with a Ricky Henderson rookie card that's PSA graded? I was like, he showed it to me. He's like, Dad, look what I got. I was like, what? Aaron, how did you get that? Like, and he tells me this long story. And I was like, we got to call the parents. Like, we're not, we can't like rob kids in the neighborhood. But like he traded him some Pokemon cards for a Ricky Henderson rookie card. So anyway, he's focused on all sorts of, on all sorts of things. And it's, it's a lot of fun. I just want to shout out all the Jordans 23 because you mentioned, and it's a bit of a generic sounding uh, handle on Instagram, but, and I wanted to make sure I got a message. I don't know. Someone heard me say something like I wanted to get this card. Anyway, the guy, this is, this goes back. I just found our messages. Actually, this goes back to January 31st, 2020. Okay. That's how far back that was. Well, so a year, a year and a bit ago. He sent me this for free in the mail as a as a just as a present. It's a Kobe Met, uh, Metal Universe base card. There's value to this card now, and it's in really good shape. So, shout out to all the Jordans twenty three who sent your son a gift. Also sent me this card for ask for nothing in return. And we we talk all we talk on Instagram. Super super nice guy. P.S. He's like one of the smartest people out there, uh, and and he does not have to do anything like that, like ever. He's just an incredible person. I, I met him. Um, I went to California a little, uh, a little over a year ago for a, for a funeral. And I really wanted to meet, uh, Chris and Christina from the house, house of Jordans. Yeah. And so I went to their card shop and I was just like, dude, I just want to meet you guys. Like, can you, can do you want to come, do you want to come hang out and I can see you guys and, you know, and he's, 
been so he's you know so kind and helped me get a helped me get a really big important card um along the way too which i'm yeah. super grateful for. i went and i went to see him and i met nick there and i ended up talking to nick for probably i don't know 10 minutes or whatever and i was like this guy is really cool like and he has this incredible collection so yeah we can all just just give you know everybody follow him if you don't already um and he might be a little bit quieter than than some of us are but he's um, super smart and his collection is fantastic. Say hello to Dave Kaplan. Good evening to you, sir. Um, all right, let's see what we have in the comments here, and then we'll, we'll we can chat about our. Oh yeah, PSA eight Rickies are more than four hundred bucks now for sure. That well, just like everything, that card has gone up in value too. I'm just going backwards in the comments right now for just a couple of minutes here. Facebook user, don't if you can put your if you're on Facebook, put your name in the comments so we know who you are. If you don't mind, please. My biggest, my ultimate debate, if we sell now, bigger cards, are they just gone forever as not not able to buy again a reasonable price? How do you guys handle that? Yeah, that's that's why I don't sell. I don't, I, I like, unlike Adam, I won't sell a card that I want to keep. Even if I want something different, I will either sell cards from my inventory boxes, which are what you can see right over there, 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 there. I'll either sell cards out of there because those aren't personal collection cards, or I will just find another way to get the money. However, I'm, it's not like I'm doing anything crazy, but you know, I'll find another way to get the money if I if I really need something. That that's how I handle it. But I think Adam, you already explained how you do it. You will just sell another card to buy a card. So, yeah, the one that I can most afford to let out of my collection that will get me the cash for the thing that I really want. Um, I, I will, I will sell that, but I will, I will say you, I will tell you this. One of my driving principles is if there's a really big card in your collection, that is just something that you'll never be able to replace. And it's also a card that you really love. Don't ever, just don't ever sell don't it. Sell. Don't sell it. Yeah. You'll, yeah, for sure. Matt says, how much do you think COVID and people staying home and digging card collections out of their closet is factored into hobby growth? And do you think it is sustainable? I mean, I think it's been talked about a lot and that's why I say that because I've heard it so many times. I think it's got a big part to do with it, a major part to do with it. Um, you know, there's other factors too, but I think that's one of the main ones. Do you agree, Adam? For sure. The question is what happens when people go, people are go back to something that is maybe more normal. If we ever go back to something that's really, normal, are people going to leave this new hobby that they found over the last 12 months behind? They very I can answer you. I think I think the answer is yes. Some will leave because they won't be bored anymore. Others will have, re, have will have discovered that they have that collector gene like you and I do and most of the people watching and they will stick around. You have to when you discover a passion, it's not like it's not like you just abandon it all of a sudden unless unless it wasn't a true passion, which is fine. But I think I think we're I think I don't know what the percentage is, but a percentage of those people that that came into the hobby in 2020 are going to stay. And the complementary percentage of those people are going to leave. And that's fine. We're The hobby is fortunate to get any of those people. And I think I, I do think many of them will stay. Why wouldn't they? It's an awesome hobby, right? I mean, we, we get it. Hopefully they do too. And I think a lot of them uh, do and will get it. So I think that's right. Some will stay, some will go, and we'll figure out what the percentage is as time goes by. Yeah. So Jordan, I think it was Jordan asked a question. Would we want to show, sorry, Jordan, it was back here. Uh, willing to share the story of your most recent big purchases. Like I've got three cards in front of me that have recently come in the mail. I'm happy to show them here. I showed one on the, on, I showed one to uh, 
to Mike Phillips earlier. I bought an see, I'm I don't collect football hardcore, but I collect Hall of Fame rookies, so I have several. And then I because I'm into rare inserts now, I thought I want to get one card per player that I think is important. So I've picked up a couple so far. I picked up, and I think this card is awesome. Brett from Stacking Slabs would love it because it's his guy. It's a Peyton Manning. It's 2000 EX Exceptional. Mm -hmm. It's a PSA 10. It's the blue version, which is the only numbered version uh, of the rainbow. And it's out of 100. So pretty rare. And uh, so this is a card. I mean, it was close to 1000 bucks, but I wanted it because I believe these EX Exceptionals are undervalued currently. Be relative to jambalayas. They're, they're the same technology. They're pretty darn cool looking. I think this is just a beautiful card. I love it. And so I bought, I've shown, I bought a couple others, uh, lower level ones, the, not the numbered ones before. Uh, I bought a Vince Carter and I also have another one. I can't remember who it is right now that I've showed on a prior episode, but this is by far, well, not by far, but this is the more valuable, most valuable of the three EX exceptionals that I have. And uh, so there's this one, my Peyton Manning. I also picked up a Dan Marino card, which Adam will appreciate this card. This is my very first ever, Adam. My Well, it's not my first ever because I have some from Fleer Retro, but this is my very first ever 90s Playmakers Theater hey. Dan Marino. So if this was Michael Jordan, this card would be how much money? What's its grade? A 9.5? Yeah. Um, I think a nine five just sold at Golden for like hundred and seventy, hundred and seventy thousand dollars. Okay, if this was Michael Jordan, now these are numbered out of a hundred, just like the Michael Jordan is numbered on the back out of a hundred. You can see it there in the bottom in the silver. I got this for like a thousand bucks, I think it was, and uh, I thought, you know what, it's it's a Playmakers Theater. So when I buy a card like this, I'm not only buying the player, I'm buying the the card as well. I'm buying the insert, the insert. And I wanted a Playmakers Theater because I'm probably never going to have a Michael Jordan. Someone in the room, someone in the room has one. I don't. I'll never have one. But I thought, you know what? A Dan Marino. I wanted Marino card. I'm going to make Playmakers Theater my Dan Marino card. So let me tell you a secret. The Dan Marino uh, in the football design is better than the basketball design is, in my opinion. Um, it has some refracting and some some yeah. some special some specialties to it that the basketball doesn't. You know, if you look back, in fact, you taught me this, Jeremy, about the the card. Um, oh shoot, I can't remember the, the name. Rave. The rave. The that's right. You read my mind. The rave that they sort of cut costs on last second that they decided not to, you know, not to do a die cut. You wonder if maybe something similar happened in Fleer too with with the Playmakers Theater where they were like, oh, let's do something really special with it. And they were like, ah, you know what? It's going to cost more to do this sort of like star-like pattern. Let's, let's keep that off. Let's keep it simpler. I still love it. It's still one of my very best cards. I'm not talking badly about it. Um, it's one of the biggest Jordan inserts in the world. And there's, you know, maybe 40 that, it, that survived. It's a great card, but it, yours is better looking. This is gorgeous. I mean, I don't know if you can really see, but you can, it's, it's got some embossing there. Yep. It, with with it right in the in the immediate background and yeah it does have a bit of a refractor finish it's such a cool card i'm very very proud to have it i, I love it. it so that that's my dan marino and i don't have a marino rookie so it's probably my only dan marino card and the third card just for jordan who you know recent you say big purchase these are all these are all around the thousand dollar mark this card i picked up i'm glad i did because 
the more important version of this card just sold, and I didn't buy it. It was during our live episode on Wednesday. So I picked up a 2012 uh, Prism Sidney Crosby PSA 10. This card's numbered out of 50. Now, the gold, Adam, and I know you know all about Prism Golds because you have a Kobe, but a Prism Gold Crosby just sold on Wednesday for a, a hair under $10,000, which is, you know, not, we're not talking Kobe money, but still big, more than I was willing to spend. I, I, I would have paid up to five for it, let's say. I didn't want to pay five. I wanted to pay three, but anyway, it sold for more than triple that. So luckily... I still have the, the 2012 Prism brand represented for Sidney Crosby, but it's of the more common red version, which is out of 50. I just don't have the gold. I probably won't, but if I have another shot at it, maybe we'll take it. I'll have to sell some inventory to get there. How about you, Adam? Any recent pickups? Well, let me ask you first. I'm interested on the on the hockey, the, the 2012 Prism. Is it? Did they just do a red and a gold, or did they do more than that? Is what more than did. that. They did more <laughs> than that. Was it the first year of Prism in hockey as well? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. And it's the same design too as your as your as the co as the basketball. Yeah. As, as you think, noticed. Yeah. I think I think um there's I think baseball and maybe football as well did 2012 yep. Prism. Baseball for sure. I don't know. I don't not sure about football, but baseball for sure did. Somebody actually mentioned to me on Twitter today that, that there was a 2012 football prism, but I or that there was a football prism and I I think there is. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure there is because I know there's somebody out there who has some some bigger cards from it. But it seems like all the parallels are different across the across the different sports, which is really cool. Um, I I love 2012 Prism because I think it's really like the beginning of an era that is going to end up being one of the most important eras of sports cards. Like it's it's the beginning of the recent boom. Um, yeah. Two of I think you might even argue that two of my five best cards are from 20. And three of my top ten cards are from 2012 Prism basketball. So um, I love, I love that set. Oh, what are you bringing in here? What's that? <laughs> this is, this is for Chris. This is my, this is my 1998 Bowman's Best Atomic Refractor Zygmunt Palfi. Gorgeous. Isn't that gorgeous? And you no, know, he was, he, he's, he's not really a Hall of Famer or anything like that. He's probably someone you've never heard of, Adam. But, uh, but he's, he's kind of got like a legendary status in the hobby. And uh, I got this on Com C, 12 bucks. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Um, what year is it? 98. So did they, I think they started numbering the basketball atomics in 98. Is it numbered? Yeah, it's numbered out of a hundred. Yeah. 97 and 96, they did atomics, but they didn't number them. One of my favorite cards is an atomic refractor too, actually from the same year. It's the, it's the Carl Malone atomic refractor autograph. And uh, in his MVP, he's in his MVP, like he's holding up the trophy, it's his MVP card. And, you know, when you're a fan of the Utah Jazz, you have to take your 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 victories are a lot smaller, right? So the fact that Carl Malone went out and won an MVP award, we, we, we never got to see the championship, obviously, but yeah. to see him win an MVP award is like one of my great moments of my childhood, you know, to see the kid from Utah getting a, getting a, uh, an MVP award. You want me to show show off my my most recent cool purchase? Please do. Uh, yeah, you. The, the chat asked for it too. I'm ashamed to uh, tell you I don't have it in front of me, but I have the card. Uh, I don't know if I can get a good picture. There that's you cool. go. That's that that's looking good. Yeah, that's Mike and right. Yeah. So this um, this card right here is an SGC one and a half, um, and it's a bread. 
It's called a bread for health. And it's, it was a, a label that they put on the, on various types of bread back in 1950. So just a couple years after his 48 Bowman, which is, you know, one of the most iconic, important basketball cards. Have you ever owned one of those, Jeremy? I've never, I've, I've wanted a, a Mikan for many years, but I, it, it, it's fallen down my list of importance. It has for me too, but I'll tell you this. I have owned almost everything there is to own as far as like vintage basketball. I've never owned a, a, a Mike and rookie because there's really not actually very many of them. They're, they're, they're pretty hard to find. Anyway, this card, this card is, uh, is probably the best that I'll get. That's, that's like that though. It's actually like, well, here's, here's the craziest thing on this. There's four, sorry, there's 14. Um, there's 14 of them graded, or I think was it 14. I think there's 14 of those cards that have been graded by SGC and PSA combined. Take a guess at what the highest graded Bread for Life George Mikan is worth. It. I mean, I'm gonna get. It's like it's low, man. Maybe a four. It's a two. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was there's, gonna say three. There's a bunch of authentics. There's a bunch of ones, one and a half, and there's one card, one that's graded a two. Um, it's blank on the back. It's a little bit oversized, but the way the SGC fits it in the in their holder, it fits into like a normal size holder. And for me, that's like. That that fills the George Mikan spot on my top 100. It's the perfect card. I got it from a guy on Instagram called Midwest Vintage Cards, and he sold it to me oh, for yeah. cost. And that was so nice that he sold it to me for cost. But anyway, um, I love that card. Midwest always has good cards. So sorry, is that rarer than the than his regular uh, his well, regular rookie? By far, yeah, by yeah. far. Because there's four, there's 14 of them in the world across all the across SGC. BGS has never even graded a single copy of any card in the set. And PSA has graded, I think it was eight. So it's like 14 total cards have been graded. And um, it's, it's not iconic. I mean, there's a couple stories about it out there, but it's not like the most important set as far as like how well known it is. But being rare to me, like matters more than that. The ideal is you find something that's rare and well known. But if I'm only going to get to choose one of the two, I'm going to choose rarity over over. And you know what? To me, that card pairs really nicely with your Chamberlain test card because we're talking not not as not a mainstream rookie, much rarer. And is that from the same year as the Mike and Bowman rookie? Or it's the, it's a Bowman the Mike and isn't it? That's right. Forty eight yeah. Bowman is the fifty. Okay, so it's a bit later, but still super rare vintage you know, non-mainstream card that to me, it's, it's, it's a perfect card for you. That, that, that's the one that you need. So in the absence of the bigger, more important uh, Mount Rushmore card, this one fits your collection quite nicely. And that's what it's all about, right? You, you've, uh, people, people, you make, make me happy saying that, Jeremy, people have said to me sometimes that's an Adam card and it makes me feel happy because I'm like, okay, you get where I'm coming from. You get what I like. I geek out over the thing that I've never seen before or, and other people haven't seen before. And I can tell you a story about it. Um, and you're right. The Wilt Chamberlain's the best example of that. The difference here is that this is probably worth a good deal less than the rookie card. Um, I guess not, maybe not tons less. If you got one that was in really terrible condition of the rookie card, it might be worth close to the same, but the, the Wilt, the Wilt tops test. Remember how I talked about how there's like rarity and how well-known something is. Um, and I will always choose rarity. Well, the tops card of Will Chamberlain, the 68 tops test, it isn't from a set that people know as well, but everybody knows tops. Yeah. And, and lots of people know about the 68 tops test set. So it's actually worth, it's worth a lot more than his rookie card. 
like way more than his rookie card. And so um, it's, it's interesting. Like it has to be from a brand or something that is still highly collected. Like if you want to own every tops, Will Chamberlain, you've got to get the 68 tops test. And there's 14 of them in the world also, which is funny. There's 14 of this card and 14 of the Will Chamberlain. That's kind of cool. That's yeah. kind of cool. All right. We're getting to the end of your time. So I'm going to, uh, we're going to wrap this up pretty quick here, everybody. Um, I, I could keep going, but, uh, but, but not to put the pressure on Adam or to make him a scapegoat, but uh, we gotta, we gotta respect that. Um, Dave said, I always thought it was pronounced Meekin and I'm, I'm assuming it's Mikan. I I've heard more people say Mikan, but I don't know for sure. Is Mike-in. it Mikan? For sure. Mikan. Okay. Thanks you for that. Hockey guy says most of them likely got destroyed being moved when put on shelves. Okay. That makes sense. And here's a question, bit off topic, but um, you're the guy to answer for Sean. Do you think a, that nice Yao Ming rookies could be a great investment given the growth of Asian demand for basketball cards? Sean's a really smart person. Uh, that's that's one of those, that's looking down the line three steps. And and what he's saying is, hey, Asia is a market that's going to, that, that is blowing up and, it, and there's no end in sight there. And Yao is the one guy who's really come from that continent that has has really succeeded and he doesn't have and he he comes from an era where there where there is a lot of rare stuff uh, you know I'll, I'll surprise you a little bit two of my best 20 cards in my well, two of my best 25 cards in my collection are, are are yao cards um and it's part of it is for that reason i like yao i love who yao is in terms of like his his importance to the history of the game uh, from a, from a global perspective yeah, and he's got a lot of fans over there. So I, I guess your answer is yes. If this was a yes or no question, your answer would be yes, right? I hate I hate telling people what to buy from an investment perspective, but yeah, I I think so. Yeah, I I, I get. I I hear you with. I hear you on both comments. So, um, Latrell wants to know what's your number one dream card. There's a couple of Kobe cards that I would just love to buy. I made an offer on one of them the other day, and the guy is just like, Adam, there's no chance I'm going to sell this to you, and I'm like. Come on, but I don't. I probably wouldn't want to say like just because there's like in some in one case there's eight of them, in one case there's one of them. I, I probably wouldn't want to say. Yeah, fair. You don't. That, that's totally cool. Sports card six one three. Thank you very much. Always appreciate that. So the one topic we haven't talked about yet that we were hoping to talk about was the golden auctions news from the earlier this past week that uh, Ken Golden you know, raised $40 million. I believe it was, I believe it's an equity investment into the company. I believe he sold shares. Do you know, Adam, like I, someone made a comment the other day that I heard saying that Ken sold the company, but retained a small portion of it. I just today was talking to Ken. I didn't ask him this, but just today we, we, uh, we booked him on it for a future date. So I can get this from him, but that future date is until April. So that said, I'm not going to send the message. Do you know? I haven't seen or heard. Do you know what that deal looked like? I don't know. I. It's not shocking to me that we don't know all the details, though, because it's a private company. Um, and uh, you know, it, the I, the interesting thing here is um, it's kind of it's just a coincidence. But I work in growth capital too, right? Like I, I am, and and there's. For those of you who understand the world of like of the language of investments pretty well, you've heard about venture capital and you've heard about private equity. But growth is a word that I heard multiple times in these in these um, 
these things that came out, these press releases that came out after the the um, agreement. And growth is is something that kind of sits a little bit between uh, venture capital and private equity. But it's like a lot of things, it's like it's loosely termed, right? It's uh, so I don't I don't know that, that this is for sure for. Uh, this is absolutely for sure. But when I think about $40 million of an investment in it for, for growth purposes, and it says, um, and, and the, the uh, media around it was very much that, that they were buying um, a majority share. Um, my guess is that, it, that, that, that Ken didn't sell the whole company. Um, my guess is that the company was probably that he, that they retained a pretty good percentage of it, maybe as much as 49%, maybe 40%, maybe 10. I don't know. I, I don't know for sure, but growth, um, would seem to me more likely to be closer to half than, and certainly more than half. Um, but, uh, no, Jeremy, I don't, I don't know the exact. Oh, fair. Yeah, fair. We'll find out eventually, or I'll ask him point blank when he's sitting in your spot there, um, I think it's April the 6th. He's coming on with me. You should. Uh, okay. Uh, big unit says, none of us ever thought we'd see another year in the hobby like 2020, but so far 2021 is like, hold my beer. Yep. That's, it's even been to some extent more exciting already. There's been a lot, yep. a lot going on. Well, Daniel, I know what you think about Tom Brady cards. Um, speak to both. We're, we're going to end this. So I'm, I'm not, we're going to stop the comments here pretty quick, but go ahead, Adam. You had your hand up. I'm so sorry. Uh, I, I know that I shouldn't talk. I shouldn't even try to do that, but let me just, for those people who are still with us, let me show you something real quick. Um, Dude, you can go as long as you want because it's your it's your deadline to 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 end. So I'm I'm good to go. I've got a, a wife who's over seven months pregnant, and so when I take time away, I, I you know, feel she it. should be sleeping right now, Adam. She might be. I hope she is. <laughs> I hope she is. So um, this question about how crazy the hobby is. Um, I do a few indices for basketball card fanatic. Um, the indices are, they measured the value, uh, the change in value of a bucket of 40 to 50 cards for each of the three eras, the modern, the pre-modern, and the vintage eras. And the vintage era had the most unbelievable performance in a single month that I think probably has ever happened. And in, then in, in, in I've only been measuring it for six months, so I probably have no idea. But but look, I don't know if you get, if you can see this. The percentage, the percentage of gain for the vintage market for last for January, the percentage of gain was one hundred and twenty-eight point two percent. One month, and that's vintage. It's the most consistent, non-changing um, part of our hobby. In the basketball vintage market, the whole bucket of forty cards changed. 128%. A card that was worth $100 was worth $228 after after one month. That's an incredible change, guys. It's huge. That's it doesn't man, it's happening all like a Mickey Mantle PSA 6 rookie sold a couple days ago for $100,000. It's on it's in the card ladder database at $100,000. That card last sold, I believe for 22,006. Now, the a PSA 6 is a very rare grade for that card. You'll see a lot of 3s, 4s and 5s selling. You'll even see 7s. For whatever reason, 6 is tough, so there hadn't been a comp in a long time. So, you know, that last sale at 22 might have been well over a year ago, I'm not sure, but from one number to the next, I mean, that 
vintage has gone bonkers since uh, and it's not this is since the Wayne Gretzky sales in on December the 11th or 12th or 13th of last year I mean I've been watching it closer since then just been going absolutely nuts so not surprised that you I remember you actually post a question I think um in a chat I'm in with you where you said what do you guys think the the vintage was and I think I guessed 150 or something and I was actually not that far off but I was guessing high, you know, and um, yeah, it's been, it's, it's been crazy. Just crazy. Okay. A couple more comments here, guys. Uh, 30 million doesn't seem like a majority signal. It was 40. I believe 40 is the number I heard, but still might, might, you still might, Matt still might have the same uh, opinion on 40 versus 30. What do you think about printing plates? Not a huge fan. I have some, not a huge fan of them for myself. I prefer color. I want to, I want my cars to look good. I just don't think they're that attractive. Vintage is a, is the slow, boring game normally, sure, but not right now. Not right now. And Jordan says, Adam, any guesses on the value of your 2012 Kobe Prism Gold? Yeah, I have no idea. It's a good question. It's a great question, but um, I had to. The only the only thing that I would say about that is I put it as my number one card on my top 100 list. And um, the Jordan sold recently. I would still have it as my number one card. I think some people who are really smart would tell me I'm wrong about that, but I feel strongly that it that it's my best card. Um, the Jordan that I had right below that is probably worth about 150. So it's uh, and we can go we can say that more definitively because it sold recently. So it's probably worth more than that, but I could be wrong. Yeah, until one sells, it's tough to know, but. Uh... Okay, man. Well, listen, I mean, uh, this was fun. I hope I hope you enjoyed it. Um, everyone else out there who's watching, guy, we went an hour 26, so a little bit longer than you wanted, but that's okay. You you, you kept us going, so I don't feel bad about it. <laughs> but um, anyway, guys, thanks everyone in the chat for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed. I did. Adam, I, I think you did. I'm happy that you did. That's it. That's all I got for this weekend. Um What's coming up next Saturday? The show is currently still my, I'm still working on I'll have a guest for Saturday, but we're still, I'm, I'm working on that, but we are booked up right into April. Now, after that, check out the basketball card fanatic magazine that Adam puts out. If you are interested in that, I issue six came out. I haven't read that yet, but I've read the first five really enjoyed it. Check those out guys. Check out my boys, the big three hockey on, on Instagram. Give them a follow. They do some great stuff as well. And Joe Perot jumps in, and I always forget. Hit the like button if you – I love to say it. If you enjoyed the episode, you enjoyed your time with us tonight, guys, hit that thumbs up button. If you did not enjoy the episode, hit that thumbs up button. <laughs> I get a kick out of that every time. Sports cards, you are welcome. Thank you, and I do plan to. MSC, thanks to you. Jordan, pretty sure Gary V would be honored to join you next Saturday, Jeremy. It should be. He would. If only I if only I had his uh his actual number on speed dial, I would reach out to him. But um maybe one of these days. We we shall see. Patrick Bet David was an awesome guest last Saturday, and we had a lot of fun doing the, the live uh, auction watch party on Wednesday. I'll do more of those. That was a, a blast and got really I can tell you the two episodes I did last Saturday, Adam, and everybody out there are both the the Patrick Bet David is already the second most watched episode I've ever done. The, the first one is with Jeff Wilson from Sports Card Investor, which 
beat everything by a mile. I, I don't know how, but it did not, not. I don't know how. I, I mean, it just seemed like it must have hit YouTube's main page or something because it's got over 10,000 views, whereas the second most watched episode ever is under 3,000 being Patrick Bet David. And then the watch party I did on Saturday is the eighth most watched episode I've ever done out of like 110. So last weekend was a success in terms of the viewership on the on the show. So thanks everyone that did tune into those as well. Mia, the watch party is a great idea because we're all doing it. We're all watching as, as they're as they're coming down. You might as well watch it with other smart people and and, and make it a really make it an event. You know, I think I think you should make that a thing. Maybe I'm good. I'm gonna. I mean, I'll for sure do it for the hockey nights because. I'm already watching a lot and I can speak more to the cards. I might, I could do basketball too, probably, but I got to just pace myself as well. But, you know, PWCC does what, 12 auctions a year. That's 12 episodes a year or 12 watch parties. And it was fun. I had a whole bunch of tabs queued up, but we were going from one to the other as they were ticking down. It was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed it. And the, the, the crowd liked it, got a lot of great feedback. So we'll definitely be doing that one again. Most certainly, Jordan says, great episode, Adam and Jeremy. Thank you, thank you, Jordan, for your comments and questions tonight. Hockey Guy says, thank you, Adam, for the compliment. <laughs> LOL. I don't I don't remember which one. but Oh, and then MSC says, Gary V is in, almost in God mode. Gary V has influence. There's no doubt about it. So it'd be great to have him on the show sometime. All right, guys. We are going to end the show for tonight, for the weekend. Thanks, everybody, for joining. Had a great night. Thank you, Latrell. Appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. Love you both. Sending the love right back to you, Spreewell. The love right back to you. 10 seconds for final comments from the crowd. Adam, final words from you, then we're done. I just always say it's always a pleasure anytime you ever want somebody to fill in for you where you can't, you know, get somebody to come join. I would, if I have availability, I'll always join. I love talking cards with you. And I think that everything that you're doing right now for the community is spectacular. And Thanks, man. Great. I seriously, I know you don't want to take any credit, but like, the amount of hours that you put into just planning is crazy. And then the, the amount of hours that you're actually just doing this on here with other people, you know, for people's entertainment, everybody should, should hit the tip jar or whatever it's called. And everybody should do all that because you just do a tremendous job. Thank you for doing all you do. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. But at the end of the day, this is fun for me. I love doing it. It's a rush. That's why after hours started, because the first show would end and I'd be like, now what? You know, Amit, who's Amit, my buddy, who started a show called uh, Cardboard Culture. He, after his second episode last Tuesday, he phones me up. He's like, "I'm just on a high. I just had to talk to somebody." That's how I feel after these, right? That's why we do this. We're gonna get off here, and I'm gonna be like, "Hmm, now what am I gonna do?" You know. <laughs> so I totally, I, I appreciate, I appreciate your, your, I appreciate the comments, Adam. And you know, I feel the same way about you. So thanks for what you do and keeping the positivity and keeping focus and all that. It's great stuff. Thank you, fellow Fieball. Thank you, Chris, for joining. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Jordan, again. Zygmunt Palfi for Hall of Fame. That would be awesome. All right, guys. Thank you all for watching. Adam, hang tight one second. Everyone else, good night. We'll see you next Saturday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.